Welcome to Faith and Conversations about Life, Belief, and Everything. I'm Chaplain Eric Doolittle, and today we're exploring I.O. Psych with Dr. Carl Kelly. Dr. Kelly is a professor of psychology here at North Central College and is the Harold and Evil White Distinguished Professor in the Liberal Arts. It's great to have you here, Carl. Let's welcome him. Thank you. Thank you. You're very it's great well. to be here. Thanks. Um, as we get started, I think let's start at a basic level. What is IO Psych? Can you give just a little brief glimpse of like what that means? Oh, one of my favorite questions. <laughs> um, and so IO Psychology, which some people call the coolest area in psychology, mostly me. Um, but IO Psychology is uh, the part of psychology that tries to create psychologically healthy spaces that yields high-performing teams. What makes it psychology is a focus on the individual. So we try to understand individuals within organizations, make those organizations psychologically healthy so that the team, the group, performs well. So when you think about psychologically healthy, what, what does that look like? Cool. Again, what a great question. Um, these are important issues. Um, and so in, in psychology, we tend to have lots of models. And so one of the models that we use to understand a psychologically healthy space is called the PERMA model. And so there are different elements that can contribute to this healthy space. The first element in PERMA are positive emotions. And so if people are experiencing positive emotions, the space is more likely going to be healthy. The E represents engagement, that they are engaged with, they are doing things and not just passively sitting around and responding. The R refers to relationships, and so you want to cultivate a healthy relationship within this space. M, okay, and M is changing. It used to be meaning, but now it's mattering. And it might not seem like it means a lot to go from meaning to mattering, but it actually is an important distinction because meaning is more of an internal experience. Am I getting something out of this that's good for me? Mattering focuses on your impact on other people. Hmm. And so IO psychologists are starting to talk more about the importance of mattering rather than just finding something that you find meaningful. Um, and then the A is accomplishment and that you are actually accomplishing things that you want. There's another component that is being added called H, which refers to health and creating environments where people have the time to be healthy, have the resources to be healthy. But that is basically our operational definition of a healthy space, one that is PERMA or has PERMA qualities. So what are some of the challenges to those areas? Like what, what happens within an organization or an institution that might pull away from people having that kind of an experience? Oh, great question. Um, the PERMA model is often misunderstood um, because people think it's just all, you know, puppies and rainbows. I say, oh, I but the PERMA model suggests that even though the goal is for positive emotions, we're not going to have positive emotions all the time. And that really even shouldn't be our goal. 
because being in an organization means coping with things that aren't always, again, puppies and rainbows. We, we, we have to do a lot of work sometimes that doesn't bring us immediate positive affect, but in the long run can achieve that. Um, Again, good relationships don't refer to just comfortable relationships. Mm -hmm. And often we think about a good relationship as one that brings us comfort. Someone is being nice to us and supporting us. But a healthy relationship is one that makes you uncomfortable mm -hmm. at times, that, that pushes you beyond where you want to be to become something better, to flourish. Um, and so the challenges within organizations is helping people understand what these terms mean and to create a healthy, balanced space. So I'm, I think that's a really great space to even think about with relationships, that a good, healthy relationship may not always be a happy relationship because we have inevitable conflict, right? There's always yes. going to be those times when there's tension, things that need to get resolved. Um, and in this area, uh, I, I think I'll put this out on this, uh, the floor for all of us. Um, Carl and I are both not Midwesterners. Uh, we both come from Appalachia. And so sometimes we have an outsider's perspective on some things, even though we've been here for a while. And I think one of them that we think about is Midwestern nice, mm -hmm. where you see people who are polite to each other, but they may not be building that deeper relationship where they can be open and honest with one another when there is conflict. They'd rather just kind of ignore conflict to be nice. I, I would make a distinction between being nice and treating people with dignity and respect. Mm -hmm. And so a healthy relationship is where you are being treated with dignity and respect, but not necessarily agreeing with everything the person says. I mean, as, as a teacher, you know, in the classroom, sometimes when I'm teaching statistics, people think he's not being very nice, right? This is very uncomfortable for me. Um, and that's part of my job. And so if I'm gonna create a high-performing group in that classroom, I, I have to be very clear and say, these are some things that might not be acceptable in this environment. These are some of the goals that we're trying to achieve that might make you uncomfortable. Mm but the healthy relationship is treating you with dignity and respect along that way. So what, what happens then in an organization? What can we do? Because it sounds like you're talking about healthy boundaries. Yes. Right, which is an essential part of, we think of it often in direct relationships with one-to-one -one people or a family. But it sounds like part of that is boundaries within institutions and organizations as well. And so how, can an organization or an institution help set good boundaries for people when the, the other emotional forces that are happening may uh, work against that? Well, the secret is there's no secret. I mean, and, and there's no right path to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so if, if we could find that magic formula, <laughs> that would be amazing. But it, it, it's a process of continuous change. Mm. Um, and so healthy organizations are characterized by individuals, including leaders, that are going to be adaptive and can communicate with each other. And again, if we create an environment of dignity and respect, that communication can happen. Um, 
I don't know if I'm exactly answering your question. I didn't really um, ask a question. Okay. I think I just made a statement. <laughs> well, again, when I think about, again, the dynamics that can lead to PERMA, uh, there are three elements that are very important. For me, it's getting along, getting ahead, and mattering. Mm -hmm. right? And so an organization is responsible for, in some ways, ensuring that people are getting ahead, making sure that the lines of communication are open, mm -hmm. people can have these conversations. Um, we, we have to be making progress, we have to be getting ahead, um, but we have to be focused on something more important than self. And I think that's where the mattering comes in. Mm -hmm. Again, I think the meaning kind of moves more towards that internal focus, but mattering moves more towards the external, that I'm doing this because it's something that's more important than just me. So, you know, one of the pieces for this conversation, of course, is me being able to take some of this and look at religious organizations and some of the challenges and benefits that they can have. And, you know, what you're lifting up is, you know, a great ideal, you know, and, but it can also be so challenging to many people's experiences of a faith organization, a church, a, you know, any sort of house of worship or group of people. So I, I know that we've had conversations about that and the, the challenges that that would face, but if, if you had someone who was part of an organization that was not functioning in that way, are there things that someone can do uh, in the way that they interact in that system that might be able to influence it? So I'm thinking specifically, you know, in a, in a house of worship, in, a, in that kind of an organization, there's an uh, implicit hierarchy that's built in. And oftentimes, religion is used as a way to stop people from questioning and stop people from having growth. Um, they kind of impose mattering uh, as opposed to it being organically found, right? And, and so what are ways that someone who is wants to be part of an organization, wants to be part of a community that seems like it is not healthy, what can that individual do to kind of affect some of that change? Or to take care of themselves if they need to? So my career path has been very curvy. And there have been a lot of things that have influenced my choice in what I do. Um, my early experiences in, in my church actually affected my career direction, and I don't know if I fully realized it until later, but some of the things that you talked about were similar to my experiences. Again, I grew up in rural Virginia. Um, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. And in going to this church, the, there were, I mean, first it was a routine, you do it because it's what you have to do. Um, but as I got older, um, I was looking for the reasons why I'm there. Mm -hmm. And the more I looked for the reasons, the more I felt disconnected from the church, and I didn't know why. And people worried about me. My parents worried about me, like, what's going on? And so we seemed to be really clear. And I think what was happening is there was more of an emphasis on creeds mm -hmm. rather than deeds. Mm -hmm. And so within the structure, there was a lot of talk about here's what we believe. Here, here is our truth, but I didn't see the translation outside of church. 
And so, again, it's a rural community. You know people. You see what they do. And you see them in church behaving in one way. And then you see them outside in the world engaging behaviors that were inconsistent with the language they were using within the church. Mm -hmm. As I began to question that, I felt that those questions were not addressed. And I was told, here are our creeds. This is what you have to believe. Um, and again, within that, you know, getting along, getting ahead, and mattering, we got along. I mean, we, we had suppers together. We would do all of those things that on the surface seemed to be important to forming those relationships. But I didn't feel like I was getting ahead in my faith. I didn't feel mm -hmm. like I was changing. And the questions and issues that were important to me were not being addressed. Mm -hmm. And... I didn't know what to do. I'm a kid, right? And, and so I, I am... A, About how old do you think that, that disconnect was starting to happen? Mid-teenage years, mm -hmm. right. right? And so as, as I began to question more, uh, I began, to, at least I felt that there was more resistance to that. And it didn't feel like I mattered mm. unless I followed a particular creed. Um, I started to separate my faith from the structure of the church. And so I, I sought more of an independent view. Uh, when I went to college, I became very interested in different faiths, which were not discussed in my church. Um, again, it was very focused on here is what we believe and here is why we're right. And I remember going to college and meeting people from different faiths, and we would sit around and talk about what do you believe? And, you know, talking to a Buddhist, it's like, whoa, some of that sounds really cool. Um, how can I incorporate some of that? Um, so in, in terms of making a difference, uh, mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard for an in individual to just make a difference. Sometimes you feel like maybe there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Right, And so for me, maybe there's this incompleteness in my understanding of the doctrine, and maybe I just need to understand it better and then move ahead. But that didn't seem to be satisfying to me. Yeah. Um, and so I think that the, the structure of the organization needs to encourage those diversity of experiences and needs to promote different forms of understanding mm -hmm. to maybe even solidify the beliefs that that particular institution has. Mm -hmm. um, by not doing that, it, again, I don't, I don't see the getting ahead part. And, and so getting ahead to me, and it could be different, but getting to me, getting ahead is learning new things. So am I getting close? If we can come up with right answers <laughs> okay. in any of this, I'll be very impressed. Okay. No, I think that... The, the piece of that disconnect, I think, is something a lot of folks go through at that time period in their life as they are starting to have questions. It's part of a healthy development. Again, getting ahead means growth. Mm -hmm. And that growth can take a lot of forms, but people want are no longer satisfied by the answers that they may have been as children as they move into that time period of life. And then so many young people then go into college where they have this incredible opportunity to, to dive in, in in new, incredible ways. And they recognize that the, the organization, the community they may have been part of 
can no longer support what they are looking for to give a sense of mattering in, in their life as a whole. And, and I think that that's a challenge for a lot of, of church communities that because they have so strictly defined what belonging right is, and it's, it's a doctrinal definition, you abide by these understandings, and it misses that full, full experience, that, like what you were saying, that it doesn't give room for people to grow in these other areas or to engage, right, mm -hmm. to, to make a difference. People want to have a meaning and something beyond just belonging, right? Um, belonging is important. Community is important. How we connect with each other is essential, but it can't sustain long-term if it's not having a, a reason. So... I bring that up because I think we're in a time period where a lot of young folks are trying to figure out that balance. Um, before COVID, so much of what we saw was people who were looking for what's my purpose in life? Well, how can I make a difference in the world? And then we lost a sense of community for a long time. And we're you know, there's lots of ways that we're seeking that out with social media and all the different ways that we can connect to people. But it's it's hard to bind that together in, in solid ways. Like what what is the thing that brings us together? And we're not quite as comfortable. We still seek, I think, connections, but they're harder to find because some of the structures that we have seen in the past that supported it are not up to speed. They're not keeping up with us. I'm trying to get to a question in this, um, but so many of our conversations are just us sharing ideas back and forth. Why don't you just comment on what I've lifted this up? This is and kind we of the way there. it goes most of the time. <laughs> um, but this is, again, this is fun. Yep. Um, I, I think the same issues are true in the classroom. Yeah. Uh, I think they're true at the institutional level. I mm -hmm. think they're true in faith communities, in church. However we structure it, th these are some of the challenges that we're facing. Um, I think COVID changed things, but I, don't, I think the trends were there before, mm -hmm. and I think it just kind of accelerated some of the change. Um, but when I when I walk into the classroom, again, sometimes I'm teaching things that you know people aren't uh, inherently excited about, if you can imagine, like statistics at eight o'clock in the morning, right? Some people are going, Ugh. and so. But if if I am going to do my job in some ways, and my job is not just teaching, it's trying to make the world a better place, right? right? And so again, I, and so when I'm in the classroom, I'm not just thinking about do you understand how to compute this? What I care about is can you use this information to go forward and affect the world in a positive way? And I think that's true. The more I can do that, the more I can create an environment in that classroom that people will want to be there, will care about what they're doing, right, and hopefully form relationships based on common values. Mm -hmm. Okay, and there, there can be a lot of differences of opinion in that classroom. There can be a lot of different personalities, but if we can come together agreeing we're trying to make the world a better place, we can then create a structure where we can actually start to see little changes occurring, right? And what we do matters. We become a healthy community. Right. And again, I think the same is true within a church, mm -hmm. that it's not just do you agree with us 
on this, this point of doctrine. It's do you agree we're trying to make the world a better place? And if people can say, yeah, we're trying to do that, mm -hmm. then we create structures where we can see accomplishment, that we, we see places where, yeah, I am making a difference here. And the difference that I make, I believe, matters mm -hmm. to something beyond self then the community becomes psychologically healthy, it becomes high-performing, and it's sustainable. But one of those elements disappears, and it, it, the, the whole thing starts to kind of rock a little bit. And the challenge sometimes isn't just in creating that community, it's sustaining that community. Mm -hmm. that, that's the challenge of leadership, Right? That, that's the challenge of being part of that community. Leaders have a certain responsibility, but everyone in that community needs to have some of that responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what makes the systems effective. And to me, often, uh, maybe not often is too general, but sometimes within faith communities, we lose some of those elements. Yeah. And the outcomes that we focus on and again, from my experience in my, in my church growing up in, we were in a rural community, but it started developing and mm -hmm. more people started moving in and the church became focused on growth. And the benchmark for success, again, this is my opinion, wasn't are we making the world a better place, but are we growing? Are we producing more revenue so that we can enhance our facilities so that we can continue to grow? Um, and that was the conversation, and yeah. it, it changed how I saw the dynamic of the system. And we see that with so many different institutions, you know, whether, and that can be um, the, the pressures from, even in a classroom, am I gonna have enough students to, to make class? Uh, see it within uh, a college, where it's like, well, we get so focused on bringing in students that we forget the purpose and, and doing these things and creating a system where they are part of this with us. Um, we see it in churches, we see it in politics, where you have parties who are fighting over the, the margins of a couple of percentage instead of remembering the, why they're there. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it, it's to see that, that you can model that, and from what I was gleaning what you said there, you model that in your classroom to try and create that kind of a system, an, an organization just even within a classroom setting that hopefully other people can see and like, why is this place different? And I, I have to say, I'm gonna, for folks who can't see, um, the fact that so many students showed up here to hear you talk about this, I think talks to and speaks to the success you've had in that. Um, because people recognize that what you have created in those, those spaces uh, is what we hope we can model out in the world. That is my marker of success. It's can students take this information and go out in the world and do things mm. that make a positive change. Um, and then it, it's most meaningful for me when they let me know. And so when the alums contact me and yep. say, look at what I'm doing. Yeah. And maybe there's a little piece of that in there. But, um, but within the structure, again, and it could be an athletic team. Mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, anything, but, but this is what we're trying to do. And 
If we can create, again, these healthy relationships based on common values, if we can feel like we're making accomplishment, sometimes however slow it might seem, it's like I'm just not, but little bits at a time. But most importantly, if what we're doing matters beyond self and making the world a better place, and sometimes that, it, it doesn't have to be a huge change, right? It can be helping one person, mm -hmm. right? And by helping one person, you can be making the world a better place. Absolutely. Well, I want to make sure that folks who are listening in uh, get a chance to, to ask their questions too. Thank you so much uh, for this part of the conversation. And like I said before we got started, uh, we're going to continue this conversation after we turn off the cameras uh, because you can go next door and have coffee with us and we'll have some time to, to have one-on-one -on -one conversations. Uh, but as we're kind of wrapping up this section for the folks who are online, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate your time your wisdom, your kindness, and just your presence here at North Central College. It's really, really a blessing. Would you all show some appreciation for that time? Thank you. And the last piece of the business is I hope you'll join us again in two weeks where we're going to be sitting down for Faith and Sports with Brian Johnson. Uh, and so that should be another great conversation as we're exploring what those institutions can look like. And um, we'll be back here. You can join us in person here at Coden Chapel at 11.45 uh, is when we get started. Uh, or you can, like we said, join us online and be part of the conversation there. So thank you so much. We'll 